Good morning, church. It's great to be worshiping with all of you. I'm Reverend Jeff, one of the pastors here, and I hope you were paying close attention and you were able to overhear the children's moment this morning. Reverend Sarah did an incredible job, and basically that's what I'm going to tell all of you here. But we are in the second week of our sermon series on the flawed heroes as we look at the Old Testament book of Judges. Now, maybe you went home last week and you started reading Judges, or you heard that we're studying that here at the church, and you've been reading it at home. And if you have, the first thing that probably stuck out to you is the fact that Judges has a lot of really hard names, just really hard names to read. But if you get a good study Bible to help you with some of those names, or if you can just power through, then you'll notice a few things. First, you'll notice that Judges covers some really complicated topics. And second, you'll notice that it contains some of the most graphic stories in all of Scripture. But I also think that within Judges, there are some of the most important stories and lessons for us to wrestle with today. We introduced the book last week. We heard from Dr. Bill how there's kind of this pattern throughout the book of Judges with the Israelite people where they find themselves disobedient in a spiral that gets worse and worse. And in the midst of this chaos, God will call a judge or some translations even say leader to bring these people to faithfulness. They will do that, and there will be a period of peace, but then the cycle ultimately continues again. Now, you may be more familiar with the part of the Bible that comes immediately before this. First five books of the Bible, we hear the story of Moses and how Moses leads the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt and up to the promised land. Then the next book, Joshua, talks about how they enter into the promised land and ends with Joshua setting up this covenant, this ideal scenario that if the Israelite people would simply be faithful, then things would all work out, the ideal scenario. But we know that people are people, and the story of Judges is one in which people fail to uphold that covenant time and time again. And in the beginning of Judges, the beginning of chapter 2, we read about how that the people just fail to be faithful. So Judges, it's this raw a very real book that we read, and it forces God's people to admit their flaws. It forces us to be vulnerable. Ultimately, hopefully, it will tell us uh, to ask God for grace because we desperately need it. So today we're looking at the story of Gideon and the lessons that Gideon teaches us from Judges, which is good because Gideon is a complicated person, just like you and just like me. Gideon makes a lot of decisions, and some are good decisions, some are bad decisions, but most are good and bad decisions. So we're going to look at part of Gideon's story this week. It comes from Judges chapter 6, verses 33 through 40. Hear now God's holy scripture. 
Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people were joined, joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Bezerites to come follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor, if there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Like I said, in Judges, there are some complicated names. It began by talking about the Midianites and the Amalekites, but we have to understand these people to understand this interaction that Gideon has with God. Now, the Midianites and the Amalekites, they are Israel's enemies. They're often at war with uh, the Israelites over certain spaces of land. In the beginning of chapter 6, the chapter we were just reading for, we read about how these enemies were oppressing God's people. The Midianites and the Amalekites, they had the better land. They forced the Israelites to live in the mountains, to be in the caves. And every time it came, uh, time in the year where it came to plant crops, the Israelites would plant, but the Amalekites and Midianites would come down in their camels and destroy all the crops, all the livestock. So this weak tribe of Israel would get even weaker. Finally, the Israelites did not know where to turn, so as a last-ditch effort, they cried out to God, and they were promptly told, you turned your back on God. The God who saved you from Israel, you abandoned God. But still, God does not leave God's people and so we come to Gideon. And as Reverend Sarah told us, he was part of the smallest tribe of all the tribes of Israel. He was the youngest, the weakest of this smallest tribe. And one day, he is threshing wheat in the wine press. And in case you don't know about threshing wheat and wine presses, that's not where you thresh wheat. He is hiding from the enemies. He doesn't want to be seen trying to get the basic necessities of life. He is small, he is hiding, but this is the exact man that God calls. And isn't that just like God? To call those who don't feel equipped? Maybe you 
don't feel particularly capable of serving God. But that doesn't stop God from calling you. This angel of the Lord looks at Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And now you know that sounded like a joke to Gideon. The Lord is with me, he would have thought. I'm hiding just to get food. I'm the smallest of the weakest tribe. A mighty warrior? No, God can't possibly be calling me. But the angel insists, you are called. You will be victorious. God was with you, is with you, and will be with you. Still, Gideon doesn't believe. And he asks for a sign. Now, this is before the fleece incident that we just read about. This is the beginning of Gideon's call. He's already asking for signs. He's asking God to burn up an entire offering, and then maybe he will follow. This is the first time of many where Gideon will do something half good. Half good. When God calls Gideon, and then Gideon has to ask for a sign, it's actually a display of Gideon's lack of faith. I mean, an angel appeared to Gideon face-to-face and gave him explicit directions of what he was supposed to do. And still, Gideon asked for a sign. But... Gideon was also willing to take the next step. The next step was to go and tear down these altars in the town that were built up to false gods. And so Gideon does it, but he does it in the dark of night. He hides to follow God's will. Gideon reluctantly obeys God. Gideon half-heartedly obeys. And so we look at Gideon as this leader in the Bible. And one of the truths that he is helpful in teaching us is that sometimes the stories we read in the Bible are not of perfect people. Just because someone is a leader, just because they are in the Bible and they are called by God doesn't mean that you and I are supposed to do every single thing that they do. The greatest leaders in the Bible, from Abraham to Moses to David, they all have serious flaws. And we are supposed to learn not only from what they do well, but we also learn from their mistakes. There is one in the Bible that we are called to fully emulate, to model in every way, and that is Jesus. He's the one who has given us the perfect example. But we can still learn from Gideon, and we realize that Gideon was human like us, making decisions just like us. And the situation he was in would have been one that was scary. It would have been intimidating and fearful. And we know with modern science that when we're in such a scenario, the amygdala in our brain pushes us to a fight or flight response. 
and you can call my psychology teacher from high school and let her know that I remembered that fact. However, when we get a chance to move past this initial moment of fight or flight, we have to discern. We have to make difficult decisions. In this scenario for Gideon, he knew, he knew exactly what God was calling him to do. And so in the passage we read this morning, we heard how the Spirit was on Gideon, and still Gideon had to test God. He threw the fleece out on the ground. He said, make the fleece wet and the ground dry. It happened. He said, ooh, maybe something else. Make the fleece dry and the ground wet, and it happened. Ultimately, Gideon is able to follow God. But his response is not held up as something that we are supposed to do. And so we learn a few things from Gideon. The first thing we learn is how faithful God is. I mean, don't miss the fact that in this story, God can use anyone. The least likely person, the weakest person who doesn't even follow exactly what God is telling them to do is still used for God's purpose and God's glory. So we don't give up on our faith if we aren't perfect. God's always giving us another chance. God can use a response from us even if it is less than perfect because God is faithful. We learn how faithful God is, and we learn what discernment might look like in our life. If you've experienced a calling from God like Gideon did, you probably responded as he did, as many biblical examples do, by saying, God, I think you have the wrong person here. I, I know that's how I responded one of the first times I felt a call into ministry and my youth pastor pointed me back to one of the early examples of Moses saying Moses tried to say God couldn't use him and God provided Aaron to go with him on the journey. Maybe you've had an experience where you heard a clear call from God or maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you feel like you've never heard from God that really it's easier to make decisions on your own. It's much clearer that way, and you're doing probably a pretty good job. And you might ask yourself, what is God calling me to? What is God's will for my life? And so it pushes us to look at what God's will might be. And there are two aspects of God's will I want to explore. First, God's moral will. And second, the personal will for our life. You know the moral will of God. You know the Ten Commandments. You've heard them before. Jesus calls us to love the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, and strength to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus even calls us to love our enemies. This is the moral will of God. It's why we bring children to church. It's why we bring grandchildren to church to teach them how to live in these ways. 
so that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit pushing us to make these moral decisions. God's moral will. Uh, but the personal will for our life, that's a little bit trickier. And this is what Gideon received in the moment from God. It was a moment of divine intervention, interruption into his life, and certainly that happens for us sometimes when we hear that personal will quite clearly. If that's going to happen most of the time, it'll happen in a moment of worship or prayer or study. But most of the time, people hear from God in the spaces and in the places and the ways um, that are a little bit more vague that God promises to show up in moments of reading scripture, in Christian community, in moments where we build our relationship with God so that our heart looks more like God's heart. One of the Psalms that's always stood out to me is 119.105. It says, it says that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That's the way God provides direction for us in this journey. We don't know every step along the way. We don't know every twist and turn that our calling will take. But we can know the next right step. So we don't need to test God the way that Gideon does. We know what the end destination looks like. We have an aim, and that aim is the person of Jesus Christ. Our question that we should ask is, what will help us look like Jesus? Romans 8, 29 calls us to conform our lives to the image of God. That is our goal. Jesus shows us perfect love. He shows us perfect sacrifice. And Gideon reminds us that life is full of complex and complicated decisions. Gideon shows us that even when we aren't perfect, God is still faithful. And so if you feel like you don't measure up this day, it's okay. Because we are called to be vulnerable. A flawed hero is someone who can share their scars and see that Jesus is bearing the same scars. The truth for Gideon is that despite being called to something intimidating, God was with him. And that is the same promise for us today. Let us pray. Holy God, I pray for those in this room who feel vulnerable who have scars and have a difficult time discerning your calling in their life. God, that's most of us. It's hard to know what the next right step is. But we look to Gideon. We know that you can use even us. And we turn our eyes to Christ, knowing who we should live like seeing an example of what it means to love fully, seeing what it means to love sacrificially and unconditionally. God, I pray that the hearts in this room will look like the heart of Christ, that we would align our will with yours, that we can see the world around us change. Amen.